What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. It is Friday. We made it. It's uh, News Talk 1110 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I want to welcome to the program uh, the former mayor, the former governor, and the current U.S. Senate candidate from Charlotte, uh, Pat McCrory. How are you? Pat, I guess I just call you Pat now at this point. Yeah, well, I used to be in that studio. Congratulations, by the way, on well, your uh, great uh, noon gig. I think it's fantastic. They finally have some talent now. No. <laughs> That's you know, now that they kicked me out, they got you in. So uh, congratulations. Well, and thank you for, for you. the car you sent me. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm driving yeah. it all over the yeah. place. Well, that's, you know, I can't tell you how I got that car. You know, I'd have to tell you about the game of politics. Uh, but speaking of the game of politics, yeah. I mean, I, I was the Panther game. I wasn't watching it, but I got calls and all of a sudden, you know, people told me there were two national anthems, which is totally ridiculous. But then they said there was a negative ad against to me. I saw it. Uh, I, I have not seen it, but I've heard, uh, you know, it shows me in pictures with Barack Obama when I was governor or Joe Biden when I was governor. But they did not show a picture uh, between me and Bo Thompson. So. That's well, that's kind of thing. the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that would have ruined my political career. But that's how ridiculous these, you know, they're spending $3 million against me in ads. A group that uh, was a, a pro-China trade is running $3 million of ads against me this month throughout the state, including the Panther game. And their biggest argument is that I shook hands with people of the other political party when I was governor and mayor. And uh, and now the De- Democratic Party, there's a website. The North Carolina Democratic Party has a picture of me with Donald Trump <laughs> criticizing me. Oh, so yeah. that's the ridiculousness of the game of politics. But uh, hey, we're doing you, real but well. You wanted to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Part of the reason I wanted to get into it was to expose the game. And that's part of the game of manipulating thought by uh, showing pictures and doing a direct association as though that's your political belief. And it's a very deceitful type of uh, political ad. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's paid for by it's a, club uh, for growth, a group that Rick Perry said, I hope the Club for Growth never darkens the sky of Texas again. Mm. Because they did that kind of thing against one of Rick Perry's congressional candidates who ended up winning. So... Um, it's kind of interesting, right? No now. photos. Do we need to worry about photos of you embracing Obama on a beach? Anything like that? <sighs> Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Not that I hear I'm aware. that. One. I think they have a photo of me. May I don't know at the White House because you know I went to the White House several times along with all the Republican governors. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and one time I had the Joe Biden pictures. Actually, I used to talk about this on the air. We replayed it constantly, where Joe Biden was giving a speech, and I was the head. Of, I was the, one of the officers of the Governor Association, and all of a sudden, Joe Biden turned to me and said, "Hey, man, hey, man, you ain't smiled one damn time <laughs> in the middle of a speech," and he's staring right at me, and I could tell he didn't know who the heck I was because my water bottle was blocking my name tag. I think he thought I was North Dakota, but the bottle was and he just said it to me twice hey man you ain't smiled one damn time and next thing i knew he came behind me in the middle of a speech about a thousand people in the room and started rubbing my shoulder no 
Yes. No, he did. No, that's he, where they got the picture from. Did he sniff your hair too? I don't know. I wasn't looking, but what I did, I was. It was very awkward. And I, I talked about this in my old radio show. Oh, I stood up and hugged him. I don't know what made me do that, but I, you know, the vice president of the United States is rubbing my shoulders, <laughs> so I got up and hugged him. He was a little off. This was seven years ago. Yeah, he was off seven years ago. If you think he's off now. He was really off seven years ago massaging my shoulders. But ironically, I think that's the picture in the commercial. (laughs) (laughs) You know, showing me and Joe Biden are buddies. If they only knew, he massaged my shoulders, too. Yeah. Well, and and, I mean, if history is any indication, he does not even need to know you in order to give people a a back rub or a hair sniff. No, he didn't know me. In fact, about 20 minutes later, we were in a small room together, all the governors, and he had no... he didn't know me, and I was mm. like, "Going, hey man, we had a special relationship here. You massage." He my actually, <laughs> well, he he actually uh, he did that to somebody else, or he did to the whole crowd just like a week or so ago. He really? yelled at a crowd that wasn't applauding him. I guess at yeah. the points that he expected there to be applause, and he said, "Wow, you guys, what are you like dead out there?" Like, yeah. which is, I mean, you've he, spoken in front of I'm enough crowds. You. you don't yell at your crowd. This like, was why Obama had no idea that his vice president was ever going to be president because even seven years ago they knew or eight years ago whenever it was they knew something was wrong Mm -hmm. and by the way after he rubbed my shoulders he went back and started talking again and just was off script we had no idea what he was saying and uh i turned to hickenlooper the governor of colorado Mm -hmm. now senator hickenlooper democrat he was sitting next to me and i said what what just happened what did he do and he said you were bidened (laughs) <laughs> so they kind of knew it back they, then wait 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 so now what i'm taking from this as a member of the media is mm-hmm. that there's a photo of you whispering with hickenlooper that's the next photo uh, that's the next tv commercial during a panther football game that's, i'm running with it th- they spent sixty thousand dollars on that one ad against me trying to pump up uh i think my opponent from winston-salem who now we just found out is doing, you know, his business association was with uh, Soros. Right. So I've got that article, which I, I do applaud the Charlotte Observer. Uh, they are finally interested in tracking money from George Soros. So, I mean, mm-hmm. credit where it is due. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have the story, and I guess we can talk about that in a minute. Um, but I, 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 I am kind of curious. When you – were you at the convention, the state convention, when uh, former President Trump made that endorsement? Did that – and what did you think when that happened? <laughs> it was awkward. <laughs> I was uh, at a front table, but I noticed they had moved our table to the side. We were supposed to be a center table right in front of the podium, and I walked in, and they moved it to the side, and we had paid like $12,000 for that table. And then all of a sudden, it started off with uh, – him yeah. making the statement, but when he made the statement, the crowd kind of fell flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, huh? But I, I stuck around and heard the rest of the speech, and but you know, we moved on. Mm-hmm. We moved on. I haven't, I haven't asked for one endorsement. You know, if people want to give me an endorsement, that's fine. But I haven't asked one individual elected official or older elected official. Uh, for an endorsement i've i'd say if you want to give it to me fine mm-hmm. but i'm not asking anybody uh, because i can stand on my own record 
my record speaks for itself as a city councilman, a mayor, a governor, a business person. And yes, I'm sure the Democrats are going through every radio show that I've done on WBT. And mm-hmm. there will probably be some ads uh, where I'm talking to David from Asheville. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> which, well, I ought to tell you the thought- audience, which I ought to tell the audience was really you. It no. was really a caricature of no. you, Pete Calder, when you were in Asheville. <laughs> no, Dave from Asheville just actually walked right by the uh, the studio here. Did and he really? He sure did. Well, give him, tell him, hey, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pat McCrory is my guest. We'll have more with him in a minute first. You know the drill. we got to go over and talk to Boomer Von Cannon, and he's got to tell us about traffic. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, Pete Callender Show, and uh, former governor, former mayor, current U.S. Senate candidate Pat McCrory joining me um, via a Comrex device uh, that he uh, still has from his old radio hosting days. The and Scott Pageant Studio. That's, <laughs> oh, you've named your, you've named your studio. Everything's named after Scott Pageant oh. in the region. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess that makes sense then. Uh, all right, so there was a story in the Charlotte Observer, which is actually what I wanted to talk with you about, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, again, props to the Observer for finally taking an interest in George Soros funding. Um, there are few people, the article begins, that are more maligned in ultra-conservative circles than George Soros, the Hungarian-born investor and philanthropist who has donated millions to Democratic causes and candidates. Um, I'm just kind of curious, like, if I would ever read a sentence like that about the Koch brothers that talked about all of their philanthropy, I somehow doubt it. But U.S. Representative Ted Budd, a Donald Trump-backed candidate in North Carolina's 2022 U.S. Senate race, has a loose business connection with the billionaire activist, according to records with the U.S. SEC. Um, so uh, have you read the story or have you been yeah, briefed it, on it? That It's not a loose business okay. association. Um Soros is the major was the major stockholder, majority stockholder of the Bud uh, family company that sold seeds, which seeds which ended up ripping off farmers for millions of dollars during a bankruptcy proceeding where the family hid money. And the ironic thing is, Soros bailed out of it before the bankruptcy, and then the Bud family also made a lot of money. It's the farmers that lost millions of dollars, and the government, then the federal government, had to come help bail them out. And uh, it's it's something that you know when you run for the U.S. Senate, you get vetted, and and this this direct association with uh, Soros, if he was the majority owner of this company according to the article and according to the stock records the bud family was the second largest owner of stock mm-hmm. so i've been on two boards before you know who the majority owners are because they have such control over what you're going to do as a company and they often have a lot of interaction so uh and 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 soros is i mean he's the largest funder of abortion He's the funder of all these radical groups that helped cause riots, including right here in Charlotte, where I had to call the National Guard, and I'm proud I called the National Guard. He, he's in favor of defunding the police. I mean, George Soros is the menace of uh, our democracy and of capitalism and is introducing socialistic types of programs and is basically owns the Democratic Party. And 
my opponent, one of my opponents, um, had a pretty good relationship with Soros from a business relations standpoint. So, and they all made money except for the farmers when right, they went bankrupt. Well, according to the article, the majority ownership here was like mm-hmm. 7.5% of all of its stock. Is that really like yes. that, that's enough to move everybody? Oh, absolutely. You see companies throughout the United States where activists, uh, people own 2 to 3% of the stock and have the major say and can even place board members on the uh, board of directors. So that's a pretty extensive amount of stock. And believe me, when you're on a board, you know who the major investors are in your company. You are not naive about it. You know who the major investors are. So the Quantum Partners LDC is the company. This is an investment firm, according to the Observer article, an investment fund that was managed by Soros Fund Management LLC. So is there any is there any proof that there was like any kind of direct relationship here? Because if it's an investment fund managed by another fund that Soros is connected to the the, the other one, why would that translate? to him being directly involved in the agribiotech company. And this was 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago, but it made a huge difference and a lot of money being made by the Bud Group and by that company before they went bankrupt. And, you know, questions asked, how did he bail out of it before they went bankrupt? How did the Bud family somehow recover and pay off all their loans before the bankruptcy and then lose a civil court case about this? And, you know, some of that same money now that was made is being used on TV ads against me because uh, the Bud family also helps give donations to uh, these Washington special interest groups that are running negative ads against me in the Senate race. So uh, if this were a Democratic candidate and a uh, a uh, Soros owned much of the company, it would be a big story among Republicans. Mm-hmm. I mean, George Soros is not good for our country because of his radical socialist views. And basically, uh, you know, he had a big impact on my governor's race. He, he helps these groups that he funds helps coordinate all the protest mm-hmm. uh, throughout the nation, and which I had to deal with as, as governor. Uh, about every day during Moral Mondays. Remember them when I reduced unemployment? The thing I'm proudest of doing when I was governor is I, I reduced unemployment in 2013, the unemployment compensation in North Carolina, because we had job openings. Right. And people were saying, I got job openings, will no one come to work? And it was because North Carolina had one of the best unemployment compensations in the nation. So I reduced it what South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia are, are paying. And three months later, North Carolina had the largest drop in unemployment in the nation. And I'm proud of that decision, but that's when all the Soros back left wing blue protesters uh, started going after me. Well, look at the bright side. If you win the Senate race in the primary and the general, you go mm-hmm. back to D.C., you can run into Reverend William Barber up there again. Yeah, he's been promoted. <laughs> I guess he did such a good job against yeah. me that now he's a national figure. Yeah, yeah. It's, he uh, was kind of a interesting. Well, I could tell a lot of stories about William Barber, but he'd come into my office well, can and you tell them nice, on the, and then can you tell them out on of the, the office, and I was the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you would like to tell them on the radio, I'm happy to listen to them. 
<laughs> no? No? All right. No, I'd be glad to. Okay. I just don't know much time. But right now, the, well, the biggest I concern I have in our nation is inflation, fuel prices, the energy policy of Joe Biden, which is disastrous, the immigration policy, which is disastrous. Can you imagine Charlotte Douglas International Airport just opening up customs and let people run through and no one check them? There would be an outcry, but mm-hmm. that's what we're doing on the Mexican border right now. And I'm trying to show you the n- analogy of the two because they're the same. Mm-hmm. And yet the liberals and my opponents who are going to be the Democratic nominees uh, for the U.S. Senate are remaining quiet on immigration. And, and they get I'll to. T- and they get to. That's one of the to. nice things about being a Democrat. And, I, yeah, and I'm to. telling you right now, Pete, and I've talked about this before, the gang activity. When I was on Homeland Security yep. Commission after 9-11 and I got fired by Obama, you know, my good friend Obama, according to the commercial, <laughs> Obama fired me from Homeland Security. And uh, he, I asked Chertoff at my last meeting, what's the biggest security concern in America? And this was 15 years ago. He said the Mexican cartels. Yeah. Pat, I got to leave it there. I appreciate you joining me. We'll have you back. Anytime. Uh, yeah, good You're to talk with great you. Job. All right, thanks, sir. Appreciate it. That's Pat McCrory. All right, yeah, speaking of the U.S. Senate race here in North Carolina, Democratic frontrunner Sherry Beasley, former state Supreme Court Chief Justice, who lost to Paul Newby. She's a Democrat. And uh, she is not only uncommitted about ending the Senate's 60-vote threshold for passing bills, a.k.a. the filibuster, she has declared on the campaign trail that the filibuster has been a good thing in the past. (gasps) Oh, my God. Hit the fainting couches, Democrats. This is, as is uh, described here at a Huffington Post piece the other day, Supporting filibuster reform. This is not filibuster reform. Anyway, this is blowing up. This is the nuclear option. This is getting rid of the filibuster, right? Supporting filibuster reform is now a must-have position in a Democratic primary, okay? In the piece here at the Daily Beast, ran a couple of days back by Sam Brody, they apparently got a hold of a video call with supporters that Beasley had back in August, and... She was asked about her position on the filibuster, according to the recording. And she said she had, quote, thought deeply about it, but did not offer a position one way or the other. But Beasley did offer an unusual argument to see from a Democratic candidate about the filibuster in 2021. Quote, the reality is it has in many ways benefited Democrats and people across North Carolina. And this is true. This is true. The filibuster has benefited Democrats a lot over the last 20 years and going back further than that. But being a Democrat today means catering to the blue and on moon base uh, moon bat base of the party that wants to blow up the filibuster with the nuclear option, get rid of it so they can just have a simple majority rule the day in the Senate and It also requires them to be in favor of packing the U.S. Supreme Court. This is what the Democrats uh, are, the the party and their candidates, this is who they are beholden to. These are the ideas they're beholden to. And Beasley, I don't know if she survives this. 
I'm not so sure, by the way, she's actually a very good candidate. I mean, as a judicial candidate, you you don't get a lot of attention. You just don't. And I mean, they're up for election in, you know, general uh, national election cycles and such. And so and she was appointed at, at first by Cooper. So, uh, you know, she barely lost to Paul Newby. But um, I'm not so sure she's a fantastic candidate. I've not seen her doing a lot on the campaign trail. Now, that doesn't mean anything. It's just I've not seen her, so I don't know if she's a fantastic candidate. And candidates matter. Like, for all of the um, the mockery that State Senator Jeff Jackson gets for his 100-county tour, <laughs> doing 100 counties in 100 days, and he fell asleep in the General Assembly on like one of the items that he says was his, you know, his uh, his issue that he was advancing, the medicinal marijuana. He fell asleep. Um, well, to be fair, um, who was the Natasha Marcus was speaking, and so maybe she just put him to sleep. So I mean, it's possible. Um, but that is an effective quote earned media strategy, right? Jackson can drive his van all around the state and stop in a county, do a little rally with a couple of people. And like some of those things were literally just a few people. And uh, and then he can get some coverage, especially if it's a slow news day. So. I've not seen Sherry Beasley doing anything to get that kind of earned media during a video call with uh, these supporters back in August is when she said that. The reality is it has benefited Democrats, and this is true, but you're not allowed to speak truth in the primary to Democrats. You you can't do it. Look at Joe Manchin. Look at Kristen Sinema, right? Um, Many Democrats have cast the filibuster as a remnant of a racist and discriminatory past by tagging it as a Jim Crow relic. Although it's not, right? The filibuster, anyway... Doesn't matter. Like everything the Democrats hate is racist and Jim Crow era, except, of course, the actual laws that are Jim Crow era laws that they support, like the pistol purchase permit in North Carolina. Governor Roy Cooper kept that in place. Literally a Jim Crow era law, literally designed to keep black people from getting firearms to protect themselves from white mobs, right, from the Klan. And that law, Republicans in the General Assembly tried to repeal, saying we have the national background check system. Let that do the work. The system, the reporting system has gotten so much better. Uh, We've got everybody reporting now. Like, we don't need the sheriffs. They're actually going forward saying we don't need all of this anymore. But no, Democrats, because they hate guns so much, they're like, we got to make sure black people can't get guns. Because, by the way, that's who's not getting the guns. That's who's being turned down for the pistol purchase permits at the counties. Uh, particularly Mecklenburg and Wake and Durham. Like, these are the places where they're getting turned down, mostly. So um, when it's an actual Jim Crow-era law, Democrats, they defend it. They keep it in place. When it's not, then then they cast it as such. It's about power. We all know this. That's why they want to blow up the filibuster. It's the same reason they want to blow up the Supreme Court. Well, they want to pack the court. And then, of course, they want to rewrite the language saying pack the court doesn't mean the thing that they're trying to do. Pack the court just means, you know, what Donald Trump did by filling vacancies. No, actually, filling vacancies is the term you use for filling vacancies. It's already there. Like, 
We already have a way to describe that process. Packing the court is not the same. Packing the court means that you expand the number of seats and you pack it with all of your appointments. Comes from the FDR days. That's how we got Social Security and all of the other big government programs. More cowbell. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So Sherry Beasley, the uh, I guess are we calling her the Democrat front runner in the U.S. Senate race in North Carolina? I don't know. I don't know if she's I haven't seen polling recently, and frankly, I don't really care. We're pretty far out. Although uh the primary's coming up here. I know you don't want to hear it, but the primary's coming up. We're only about what six months out. So yeah, it'll be here before you know it. Um, Beasley made a comment uh, during a call with some uh, supporters where she said that, hey, you know what? Actually, the reality is uh, that the filibuster has benefited Democrats and people across North Carolina in many ways. And so because she didn't come out and say, burn it all down. Now you got Democrats that are like, oh, my God, I I, I can't vote for her now. If she's not going to, like, engage in iconoclasm, then I'm out. So now they're looking at Erica Smith and Jeff Jackson. Those are your two other Democratic candidates. I don't know if there were others. I haven't. Those are the three. Those are the big three. There were always other people. Like, I'm always surprised when I, and I shouldn't be, but when I go into vote and there's like some name or something on the ballot, like, who's this person? <laughs> I've seen nothing. <laughs> right. Just people who, which I don't understand the people who just throw a bunch of money at the Board of Elections to run for office. And then never do anything with it. I don't understand that. It's got. It's got to be. It's got to be a write down. It's got to be a tax thing, right? <laughs> There's no other reason why somebody would drop thousands of dollars to run for an elective office at a federal level and then never mount a campaign. But people do it. Yeah, people do it. Um, Beasley's viewpoint on the Senate rule may be consequential, says uh, Sam Brody at the Daily Beast. The former chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court was the first black woman to serve in that role, and she has cast herself as the kind of independent-minded, battle-tested candidate that can win a tough race in the state. How? She lost her tough race in the state. She lost it to Paul Newby, who's like, I think he's a rookie. It's right there in his name. No, I'm kidding. He's not. <laughs> That's newbie for folks who aren't aware. Newbies are what they call in the gamer world. Newbie is a new player. They call noobs newbie. Okay. Anyway, sorry. No, he's a longtime judge. Um, and, and he was a better candidate, ran a better race. I saw way more stuff from him than I saw from her. Um, and he eked out this victory. But uh, she had her spokesperson, Dory McMillan, do some cleanup. On Isle Democrat, Sherry believes a procedural rule should not stand in the way of solutions that an overwhelming majority of North Carolinians support. When asked about the recording, she said, quote, given the grave threat to democracy, she would support a carve out for legislation to support voting rights. And as she has said, would consider broader reforms to the filibuster. So she's not saying no. She was just, you know, reform curious. That's all. She was just like throwing it out there like, I could totally see it's got some good points and it's got some bad points. And look, maybe that's a nuanced and completely appropriate view to take. 
But at some point, you're going to have to vote one way or the other. And if you're going to vote to blow up the filibuster, then you should say that. You should. You should say that. I may disagree with you, but at least I will know your position, right? Uh, The comment is the first public confirmation that Beasley specifically supports changing the Senate's 60 vote threshold in order to pass a voting and elections overhaul, a third option that moderate Democrats are increasingly warming up to as their signature bill, the For the People Act, has been stalled because it's not actually for the people. It's for the Democrats. Yeah. And so the bill hasn't uh, been able to get past the GOP filibusters, which is why we need to destroy the filibuster so we can totally do whatever we want. Beasley's main rival, State Senator Jeff Jackson, has courted liberal primary voters' support by embracing calls to end the filibuster. After saying in January his support of the 60-vote threshold was conditional on GOP obstructionism, (laughs) right? Don't make me do this. Don't you make me burn this house down. Jackson then publicly slammed a main filibuster holdout, Joe Manchin, calling his position, quote, incredibly reckless. It's actually by design. It's by design. It's actually, it's Civics 101. And I know this isn't fashionable to talk about civics and, like, why our system is the way it is. But there's a very real reason why, for example, the Congress is divided into two chambers and why those two chambers have different makeups. There's different, uh, there are different number of elected officials in each. And originally, right, the U.S. Senate was, they were all named by the state general assembly, uh, the state legislatures. They sent the U.S. senators to D.C. Because the point was the Senate would represent the states and the house would represent the people. That was the, that's why the people's house, why they call it that, right? So uh, then they changed it. Thank you, progressives of the early uh, 1900s that ruined a whole bunch of stuff. And, uh, you know, Woodrow Wilson, it doesn't matter. Point is, we now elect uh, the U.S. senators just like we do uh, the representatives. But there's still a reason why we have two chambers and why any bill has to go through both of those chambers. It's to slow down stupid law. That's the point. That's the point of the filibuster. It's to slow down dumbassery. Okay? And... If you're going to blow that up because you can't convince people that your radical notions of governance are appropriate, then that's not a problem with the system, right? That's not a problem with the rules. It's not a problem with the board game we're playing here. That's a problem with your idea. Your idea stinks, right? And so uh, I know it's fashionable. Democrats like to, like I say, flip over the board rather than play by the rules. So they're just going to change all of the rules, right? I think the flip the board thing is actually, what did it come from? The uh, House of Cards, right? Turn over the table, right? Am I allowed to quote that nowadays? Yeah. I'm not sure, because the guy, like, what's his face? Spacey? I don't know. I see Bill Cosby's trying to make a comeback, too. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are anymore on this. I think I'm allowed to quote the show, because it's the writers. It wasn't the actor. We'll call it a draw. All right. News is next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 